Let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4.13. I think we'll spend most of our time this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and also Romans chapter 4, 5, and 6. Uh, love the Word of God and um, love Romans. Actually, I started studying Romans when I was in junior high school, maybe, maybe fifth or sixth grade, kind of before that. I was uh, used to Bible quiz, and uh, so we used the book of Acts one time, one year, and the next year, or vice versa, we used Romans and James. And so uh, I learned, uh, uh, put the word, hit it in my heart at a very young age, and it still comes back. In fact, this morning I was in worship, I, uh, the scripture kept coming up and kept coming up, and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to look and find out where that is. And uh, it was Romans 6.13. And it's funny. I read it and I thought, well, that's kind of funny because I, I quizzed on that. I Bible quizzed on that. And that's the one where we actually, a friend of mine made a rap. Now, she was white, so it wasn't like the most dynamic rap. But it was still a rap. And it was uh, NIV translations. Uh, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. <laughs> Romans 6, 13. And then they go, like this, you know. And um, I'm sure people with a lot of rhythm would really laugh at us. <laughs> but we did our best, and it stuck with me. And uh, so I, I uh, always uh, remember that. So um, just, a, I guess, a little sneak peek at the message. So during worship, this part of the scripture that uh, came back up before me was um, that we're to live as those who are, one translation says, alive from the dead. And I love that. I love that passage of scripture because you think if you've ever known anyone that uh, died and went to heaven or uh, any type of near-death experience or uh, they were supposed to die and they were healed, uh, you'll find so many times they uh, have a little different outlook on life. And, um, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, let's, like, realize that when you're born again, you actually are alive from the dead. You were dead, and now you are alive. And um, Daisy Osborne uh, taught a message years ago uh, that was entitled, Never Too Dead for a Resurrection. <laughs> Never Too Dead for a Resurrection. Amazing message. And uh, so many people... Uh, and we can, you can even find yourself in this place sometimes, but uh, uh, are dead while they're living. So they're just kind of going through the motions of life and, oh, this is how it is and it's this and it's that. And uh, of course, as someone that doesn't know the Lord, you see that. But even sometimes, unfortunately, Christians that have kind of let things uh, get lukewarm end up like just going through the motions. I never want to go through the motions. And so I think, man, if we all could realize and be conscious of uh, how dead we really were and how much life we actually have. How would it, how would it change us? So anyhow, that's, that, uh, that's a scripture that came up uh, during the worship time, and I'll uh, hopefully make it to that point in the message today. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 13. This has been our uh, main scripture test for, text for, I think, the last three or four weeks, and we're going to read it again, 2 Corinthians 4, 13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it's written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. 
Now, the context of this, I'm going to start with verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, uh, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So we have this treasure that we got from God in our mortal body, in our flesh, uh, that the excellency of the power, in other words, like, look at how awesome this is, that this may be of God and not of us. So you see, like, sometimes you ever wonder, like, Lord, what is wrong with me? <laughs> like, you're giving me the right direction. Now, this sounds like uh, what Paul was saying in, over here in Romans. Uh, like, uh, the things that I would do, I don't do, and I do the opposite, and what's wrong with me, and why am I doing all this? And he says right here that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That's why this happens in your earth suit, your fleshly body. Uh, because when you're born again and I'm born again, Thank God our flesh does not cease being. Like we don't die physically. So we still have a flesh, uh, and again, as Romans says, with its lusts and desires, like its covetousness, what, what it wants. And that's not all just sexual, okay? You can have sexual lusts and desires. You can have anger lusts and desires. You can have poor me lusts and desires. You can have any kind of fleshly lust and desire, Okay, and the flesh uh, actually lusts or rages or wars against the spirit so that you cannot do the things that you would, right? It's what it feels like when you're yielding to the flesh, looking to the flesh, giving attention to the flesh, okay? Um, and so he says, so that the excellency may be of God and not of us. So in other words, what do we see? Well, when I'm weak, then he's strong. So that we're not looking to ourselves, but we're looking to God. So we have this treasure from God in this earthen vessel. So you might look and you'd be like, well, I don't understand. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, uh, if any man, any woman, any person be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So uh, I don't know how old you were when you were born again. But when you got born again, I don't know if you noticed, but your body didn't go to the exact, whatever the exact perfect measurements of your body are, actually. Who knows what that is? Uh, but your body didn't change. Like, if you had gray hair, you still have gray hair. If you had, like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like, a blemish on your skin, like your blemish didn't just go away, your body is the same. Well, we learned that we're actually, our minds um, are to be renewed, and that we're to do what Paul said, which is, I keep my body under, I bring it into subjection under the word of God. So it's not that we are to uh, confess that, uh, you know, our body's dead and, you know, our body has no desires anymore. That's not, that's not Bible. What the Bible says is, I keep my body under, I bring it under subjection unto the word of God. So that means if you have... Uh, difficulty with what you eat and that's a temptation that you have and that you um, yield to that temptation that's like a desire of the flesh that's not like from your spirit to eat incorrectly whether to eat not enough or eat too much um, that's that's something of the flesh but you still have to contend with that I bring it, my body, into subjection unto the word of God. Well, the word of God says glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are the Lord's. 
uh, Romans, uh, is it uh, Romans 12, I think, too, says, offer your body a living sacrifice, holding acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual act of worship, NIV says. Uh, another translation says, your reasonable worship. And so what do we do? We do what the Bible says to do about our bodies and with our bodies. But it's a, um, it's a false notion for us to think that the second that we are born again, our fleshly desires are eliminated, that we don't have them anymore. Uh, because, thank God, you still desire to eat. <laughs> because I, I've known people that had particular sicknesses and they had no desire to eat, and that becomes a huge problem. Now, you think initially, if you're wanting to lose weight, like that's great, but that's not really that great. Uh, and so we find out that um, we have this treasure from God in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So that's like really good news to start with because um, uh, anytime you start to think like, well, the excellency is of me, uh, you're really on shaky ground because uh, pride goes right before fall. And so you don't want to... Most people, if you think for a second, you can be accounted with what you can do apart from God, and it's not that impressive. (laughs) And so you're like, uh, would I rather have what I can do or what you can do? Let me think. I want what you can do. And, um, but sometimes you get uh, uh, certain levels of measures of success in an area, and you start to like uh, forget about God a little bit or like, oh, okay, and you start to unconsciously turn away and turn to yourself. And um, we want the excellency uh, to be of God and not of us. So then uh, verse 8, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, yet not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. So uh, I want to read that again in uh, William Barclay's translation, because um, I really enjoy his translation. Uh, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the power which surpasses all things may be seen to be of God and not of us. We are sore pressed at every point. Right? So we still have lust of the flesh to deal with. We still have uh, things that the devil may try to bring our way, things that circumstances bring our way. We're in a fallen world. Uh, things break, things deteriorate. Uh, And so we're sore pressed at every point, but not hemmed in. We're at our wit's end, but never at our hope's end. We are persecuted by men, but never abandoned by God. We are knocked down, but not knocked out. In our bodies, we uh, have to run the same risk of death as Jesus did, so that in our body, the same life as Jesus lived may be clear for all to see. So we find out that as a Christian, it's not like a um, get out of trouble free card, like uh, get out of trouble without going through trouble. Uh, our position really is that in the midst of life circumstances, we always win, we dominate. Okay? Uh, we are dominant. Word the Bible says that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. So let's look over at uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 12. But we also walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. 
Again, we're talking about we have the same spirit of faith, not the same spirit of works. Spirit of faith means that we trust in the unseen. We trust in what God has said. So we have the same spirit of faith. I believe, therefore, have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Verse 16 of chapter 4. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all of the seed. And then verse uh, 17. As it's written, I have made you the father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Remember in uh, uh, Genesis 17, the Lord said uh, to Abram, I have made you the father of many nations before there was any evidence, any physical evidence. And Abraham, verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might be the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. Spoken by who? Spoken by God. Spoken when? Genesis 17. I have made you the father of many nations. So uh, Abraham heard God speak this and he believed according to what was spoken. He didn't believe according to his circumstances, his physical condition, his natural condition, what Sarah thought, what his uh, neighbors thought, what his friends thought. He believed according to that which was spoken by God. Um, and he, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. And I don't remember the name of the translation, but my favorite translation of that scripture is, having considered, he considered not. In other words, have you ever considered something? And then you have a choice like, uh, this looks impossible. And then, you, then you're kind of at the, at the, the faith crossroads. Okay, am I going to believe in the unseen what God said, or am I going to believe in what the inputs my physical senses tell me and the, what, uh, what the website says, the blog, right? This person that is, you don't know that wrote about this, maybe this disease or something. Yeah. Am I going to believe what they said? I'm going to believe what God said. Am I going to believe what the doctor said? I'm going to believe what they said. Well, excuse me, what God said. According to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he, having considered, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So you see, he had like, sometimes we have like just one little area where we're like, okay, I, I see this, this is, a, this is not uh, what the Bible says, and I'm experiencing things that are different than what the Bible says, against what the Bible says, contrary to what the Bible says. But he had not only in his own body, but also in Sarah's body. And so both of those, he considered, having considered, he considered not. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. So we know if we see the promise of God and we choose not to believe what God says, it's going to cause instability. It's going to cause us to stagger. It's going to cause us, you know, like I said several, maybe a few months ago, when you're talking to like, uh, I have had to walk a line before for drunk driving, but I wasn't drunk driving. I was really tired. <laughs> but you see, like, I had to do it. So it's kind of cool that I got a good sermon illustration. <laughs> I was going home from Cedar Point really late at night. And so, which is an amusement park up in Ohio. So I was, uh, 
he like put one foot in front of the other. There's a white line on the side of the road. He's like walked the line, and I'm sitting here thinking, I hope none of my friends see this. I cannot believe I'm, I can't believe this is happening to me. <laughs> so I'm like, ooh, no, no. He's like, oh, you're just tired, aren't you? I said, that's what I told you. <laughs> I told you I'm just tired. But you know, when you have to walk that line, all of a sudden you're kind of like, oh, I hope I don't like lose my balance. <laughs> Because I'm really not drunk, you know. And um, so he staggered not at the promise of God. And you see that, and the Bible says that he's the father of our faith. The Bible tells us that. And you think, you know, that's the kind of faith that I want to walk in is the stagger not faith. So that I'm not staggering, and like James says, uh, wavering, you know, if any of you lacks wisdom, let it ask of God who gives liberally, and let him not uh, doubt, because he that doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed. Well, um, we, let me finish this, and then I'll, get, I'll, I'll pick up where we were. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, uh, when he was 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And so, um, uh, it's so good, but I better stop reading right there. So we find like, uh, that we are to have faith in God, stand like in the faith of Abraham. Well, where we kind of finished up last week, we were discussing about uh, insecurity. And so we find ourselves sometimes uh, hearing the words, uh, I'm not smart enough, I'm not experienced enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not patient enough, I'm not consistent enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not loved enough, I don't have enough money, uh, I'm not organized enough. Uh, I'm not clear enough, and you could say I'm not blank enough. And I'm sure your flesh could like fill in that gap for you uh, because you'll uh, see like, oh, I have this deficiency. Well, we looked at uh, Moses and his insecurities. And, um, you know, he was called of God to lead the Hebrew, uh, yeah, the Hebrew children out of Egypt. Into uh, the promised land. And yet, even with God Himself speaking to him, he doubted God's ability in him and God's ability through him. Uh, he had insecurities. And um, he uh, didn't overcome some of those insecurities, so much so that Aaron had to be the spokesperson when God chose Moses to be the spokesperson. And so, uh, none of us want to really find ourselves there. But sometimes we find ourselves in a similar position. So what are we to do? Well, you know, the simplest way to act in faith is to act like the Bible is true, because it is true. And when you act like the Bible's true, funny enough, you start to get the results that the Bible talks about. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. So what happens in... Um, in our flesh sometimes, and even our, our, our mental realm, is what we want to do is, as soon as I see it, then I'll believe it. Well, and if you've been taught about faith for any length of time, you know, like, okay, that's not God's best. That's really not um, the God kind of faith. That's the Thomas kind of faith. Because remember, the other disciples, they believed. And they were telling Thomas, and they're saying, hey, Thomas, you know, we've seen the Lord. He's risen from the dead. And what did Thomas say? Unless 
I can put my finger in the nail prints and put my hand into his side. I will not believe. Well, what happened when Jesus showed up? He was like, oh, Lord, forgive me. He's like, Thomas, you said, like, now put your hand in my side. Put your finger. You know, if you've ever been in that position where you're like, you know, uh, just like, Lord, I just really need to like do this with my senses for a second. And then the Lord shows up and you're kind of like, oh, Lord, forgive me. Like, uh, I just like got on the wrong side for a little while. Like, what was I thinking? Um, You find that um, in the heart, I believe, of every human being is a desire to walk by faith because we've been designed to walk by faith and we have the ability to walk by faith because when you come to God, you have to believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And no man can come to God uh, except by faith. And so he gives us the faith to come to God with so that uh, we can come to God. Well, how do you get faith? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How can they believe on him and who they've not heard? How can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they've been sent? So what you find that you need is Every human being needs to hear about Jesus. And as soon as they hear about Jesus, then they can have faith to receive Jesus. That's why we have to tell the message of Jesus. Because in the gospel message, in the message of his death, his burial, his resurrection, for all of us, for all of the sinners in the world, for every human being on the earth, there is power. And when that message is spoken, then there's faith that can arise in the hearts of the hearers. Okay, so Jesus, when he would go even to his own hometown, it says he couldn't do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And then it says he went about teaching and preaching. So many other places he went teaching, preaching, and healing. Well, he just did a few works there, not many mighty works because of their unbelief. But then he started, what's the cure for unbelief? The word of God, teaching, preaching, uh, knowledge of the word of God. So he started uh, teaching the word of God. So really, as soon as God starts to speak to you about what he wants to do through you and what's he want, what he wants to do with you, then the enemy comes and he tries to start reminding you of your deficiencies and of your failures. And sometimes it doesn't even take the enemy. Sometimes we remind ourselves. Uh, like Moses was like, Lord, I, I can't. I'm not, a elo- I'm not a good speaker. Like, you've got the wrong guy. And if any of us at that moment would like actually think in a logical fashion, we'd be like, wait a minute, this is God telling me that he needs me to do this, so I must be able to do what he says I can do. He must be able to do something more through me than what I am aware of. And so um, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And when we look at the in him realities, we find like there's a whole lot more to us in Christ than what we realize uh, there is. And um, when we start acting on that, we we start to get... um, his kind of results. So if we turn back over to Romans, uh, Romans chapter five, verse one, therefore being justified by faith, <laughs> praise God, we're not justified by what we do. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If, you, if you're trying to be justified through your works, you'll never have peace with God because you could never do enough. You could never do it right enough. You could never do it uh, excellent, uh, excellently enough. 
Can I say that? Excellently enough. By whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand uh, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in the tribulations, knowing, uh, you know, this is a scripture that would be hard on your flesh, <laughs> knowing that we glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation works patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope makes not a shame because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I want to read this in uh, Barclay's translation. Since then we have been, this is verse one again. Since then we have been put into a right relationship with God in consequence of faith. Let us enjoy peace with him through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him. By faith, we are in possession of an introduction to this grace in which we stand. And let us glory in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but let us find a cause for glorying in our troubles. For we know that... Trouble produces fortitude, and fortitude produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not prove an illusion because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us, uh, who has been given unto us. And so in that passage, you have perseverance, which is my favorite Greek word, hupomone. Hupamon is not the spirit which lies down and lets a flood go over it. It's the spirit which meets things head on and overcomes them. So like you see this flood rushing in, and that's Hupamon, that's the perseverance that's developed through these tests, these tribulations, these trials, these things don't always go perfect all the time for you. That actually is the spirit which causes you to rise up and turn towards the floodwaters that are rushing in rather than turn away and run. Uh, sounds a lot like the spirit of faith. Christian hope uh, never produces an illusion because it's based upon the love of God. Because he goes on to say, and hope doesn't make us shamed. Hope doesn't make us insecure because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. So in the midst of every test, every trial, every difficulty, every problem, every imperfection, we are actually to stop and remember the love of God and how much God loves us and weigh the circumstances in light of the love of God. Hope doesn't make ashamed because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Now, I remember... Um, uh, hearing Pastor Mark talk about his dad. His dad was a pastor uh, for a long time, uh, I think like over 50 years. And so he's, he had a saying that I love his saying. And he said, you know, if you go into a town and you're preaching and you get run out of town, go up and get in front of those running you out of town and make it look like a parade. Like you're leading this parade. So they're like, I can't believe, get out of our town, get out. And he's like, okay, I'll make it look like a parade. So um, we have this ideal as people of faith, and we're saying like, yeah, persecuted, but I'm not down, I'm not cast down, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fail because you know I'm gonna turn into the wind and everything like that, and I've got the same spirit of faith. But sometimes we find ourselves where we trip and fall. And incidentally, a lot of times the devil causes you to trip and fall, blames it on you, because uh, he's a liar and a deceiver. Uh, but sometimes you just uh, uh, get enticed through the lust of the flesh and you fall. So I would borrow that statement from B.B. Hankins and say, get out in front, make it look like a parade. 
Well, what does that mean? That means just like, you know how Peter, uh, I love Peter's personality. It's not my personality, but I like his personality because he's like, uh, uh, Lord, you will never wash my feet. You, you're, you're too worthy for that. I wouldn't allow that to happen. And he said, well, then if I can't wash your feet, you have no part with me. He's like, well, then wash my whole body. So he got out in front and made it look like a parade. Right? So it's not like you just want to uh, stop and say, well, like, uh, I didn't, I messed up in that, and so I might as well just give it all up now. There's no point to continue on. No. You get out front and you say, I might have I lost that battle, but I'll never lose the war. And so that's actually hoopamone. Hoopamone doesn't say like you'll never lose a battle. It doesn't say you'll never lose a fight. But it says like no matter what, we get up and we turn right back around and we keep right on going. Yeah. And so we get out and make it look like a parade. <laughs> say that's fine because now I got some extra character that I didn't have and I've got some extra hope I didn't have and my hope is not in me and anyhow my hope is in him. My hope, my trust, my faith is in him. And then if we look over uh, at our final scripture, is it uh, Hebrews 6.19, I believe. Yeah. Which hope we have set for an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters... Uh, into within the veil where the forerunner for us entered even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek so this hope that we have the hope that we have in the glory of God the uh, Christ in you the hope of glory actually goes enters within the veil in other words right into the presence of God that our forerunner went into and if you keep reading in Hebrews you see that he went in with his own blood and so he made a pathway for us right into the presence of God and so sometimes we people of faith we kind of like uh, almost discount hope but hope is one of the most strong things that you have in God because hope goes beyond even what you know like you might not you can't have faith for something you don't know but you can hope in other words you have hope uh in the glory of God, you have hope in what God has said, and the hope actually enters into within the veil. So where I see this is, I see like Paul and Silas at midnight in prison, uh, bound, their hands are bound, their feet are bound. Like Pastor Mark said, I guess you should have taken my mouth shut. Because they began to pray and sing praises unto God. Well, what does that mean? Man, they entered right into the presence of God and they say, oh God, look at this circumstance. We need your help. We're relying upon you. And then because they actually believed what they prayed, when you pray, believe that you receive and you'll have, because they actually believe what they prayed, they begin to sing praises to God. And they weren't quiet about it. It says that the prisoners heard them. So they're saying, well, glory to God, praise the Lord, because why? Because we took this situation that's too big for us, too much for us, too overwhelming for us at midnight, and we gave it to God, and we didn't just give it to a God that's distant and afar off and not involved, but we gave it to the God that answers prayer. Amen. And so because the God that answers prayer has my request, and he hears me when I pray, now I rejoice. Yes. And so you know what? In that circumstance... I wasn't there, but I can imagine it. That when they began to praise, nothing looked any different. Nothing physically felt any different. But they chose to tap into Hoopamon and into the spirit of faith and say, you know what? My God heard my prayer. He always hears my prayer. 
And so I'm going to start praising him and glorifying him. And I know sometimes in my own life, in the midst of uh, uh, overwhelming circumstances, that uh, sometimes the only thing I can do is say, Lord, I don't understand this. I need your help. I need you to work in this situation. I don't even know the right words to pray. So I'm just going to pray in tongues. So I pray in tongues for a second. And then I just begin to praise the Lord and lift my voice to praise him. And like a a heaviness that's there like starts to lift off and starts to get off because I start to magnify the Lord and then I allow him to work. And, um, you know, there was a, a, a minister who, when he was a young man, he was a youth minister, youth pastor. And he went around, uh, preaching at churches, and he went to this uh, one church, and the senior pastor was away, I think, on a missions trip traveling. This young man is there, and um, this uh, little boy in the church uh, started having these epileptic fits, and um, so he's the only minister that was present, and so the pastor's wife said, hey, would you come and pray uh, with this little boy having these epileptic fits, Uh, you know, because he's in a really dire state. And so that young man went and he started praying. He started <laughs> commanding the devil to take his hands off, to stop, and to do everything that he'd ever heard any other minister do, because he's only 17 years old, and he's just doing the best he knows how. And um, uh, nothing changed. The boy still had epileptic fits and like convulsing and, and all of this. And then all of a sudden, just kind of quietly, the pastor's wife, she began to uh, sing and praise the Lord, and said glory to God, hallelujah. And they all kind of picked up the same tenor and tone. And they all began to sing and to praise. And the epileptic seizures left that boy, and he calmed down. And they didn't even realize what happened, because they began talking and, 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 and conversing again, and then he began convulsing again. So this young 17-year-old youth pastor, he did everything. Uh, you know, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I command you stop in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, uh, nothing happened. And the pastor's wife picked that up again. And she began to sing and to praise. And the boy's uh, epileptic seizures uh, left. And he was returned to normal. And uh, the guy repeated that story, the youth minister, because he said, it taught me something. It really taught me, uh, you know, you could say like the untapped power of praise. And sometimes the circumstances are so much, I don't know if you've ever been around somebody convulsing like that, but it's a little bit overwhelming, uh, that, uh, you know, you just turn your eyes upon Jesus and begin to worship him and magnify him and let his peace fill your heart, fill the room, be the prominent thing that's in front of you. Because so many times you get the circumstances, whether it's a physical thing like that or a financial thing or a mental thing, and the circumstances become so strong that uh, you start to react emotionally and f- in your flesh. And the best thing we can, any of us do is do what uh, 619, Hebrews 619 says, uh, the hope that takes us right into the presence of God. So we say, you know what? I don't actually have all the answers. You have all the answers. I'm coming into your presence right now, and I'm going to begin to focus uh, my uh, energies and efforts and my pour out my heart to you. So I just magnify you, and I glorify you, and I look to you, and um, I'm letting you work. I'm letting you move. And so... You have that same spirit of faith that David had, that Jesus had. It's just for us to tap into it. And uh, as you're tapping into the spirit of faith, you may find that you stumble and fall. uh, But that's okay as long as you get back up. 
You just got to get right back up. And um, you really only fail if you quit. So don't quit. Don't let the devil surround you and think like, okay, uh, you know, uh, this is too big of a failure or too big of a mistake. Uh, That's not true. That's just a lie of the devil. And so we just walk by faith, not by sight. And we do that by speaking and believing. Stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is alive and powerful. Um, That your word changes us. That your word transforms our mind that we think differently, that we see things differently because we see it through your word, through the lens of your word. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that he teaches us, reveals to us, makes all of this real to us because it is real. Father, I thank you. We worship you in spirit. Father, for you are a spirit. Thank you that you have made us living spirits, breathing spirits, Father, that we can honor you out of our real self. Father, I pray for each and every person that's here, each and every person that's listening, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, in the intimate relationship that we have with you. Father, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that he helps us. He gives us boldness and confidence and standing ability. Father, having done all to stand, we stand looking unto you, the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.